The Julia Hartley Brewer Podcast. Open discussion. Healthy debate. Stay on top of the news agenda. Bristling with debate. The Julia Hartley Brewer Podcast from Talk Radio. Now, today's question, very simple question. What will Rishi Sunak's reshuffle, including bringing back David Cameron and indeed getting rid of Suella Bravman, actually achieve? What will it mean for government policy? What will it mean for the next election? Does it change anything in your life? Life? Give us a call on 0344-499-1000. Love to get more of your calls on air. You can text on 87222 or you can get in touch on X at Talk TV. Right, well, let's uh, ask uh, that very well question of the former First Minister of Scotland, leader of the Alaba Party, Alex Salmond, who joins me right now. Uh, good afternoon to you. Good afternoon. Is there, I mean, actually, before I even ask that question to you, is there any chance of a Lord Salmond coming back to lead your great nation of Scotland? Well, in Scotland, of course, you have to be elected before you're allowed to come back Very to the government. I know, it's, it's ridiculous. I, We'll I never catch I, I on this I democracy I thing. I don't think Rishi Sunak is going to call me back. Uh, although I could have done Foreign Secretary, of course, uh, or Ambassador at the Court of St James, if you want. I could absolutely see you as an ambassador. There we are, there we are. No, listen, what does, this, uh, what does this reshuffle actually achieve? Well, I mean, certainly short term, it's, it's helped the Prime Minister with the headlines. You know, so instead of Braverman resigns uh, or gets sacked, he's, he's got Cameron in. So I suppose short term, that's good. The one other advantage I see, I mean, you know, people watching, it is a wee test. So if you try to go through the Cabinet just now, I think the vast majority of people would get to the Prime Minister, maybe the Chancellor, possibly the new Home Secretary, and then they would struggle. Oh, absolutely. So at least he's bringing in a household name, or perhaps, a David Cameron's case, a stately home name. Uh, but <laughs> but that, that's about it. I, I think medium term, there's a fair amount of baggage with David Cameron. I'm not certain it's going to help in medium term. It's certainly not going to save the Tory party. Well, that's the interesting thing. Look, sitting alongside you, of course, <laughs> I should have introduced him again, uh, Tom Slater, who's editor of Spike Online. I actually did ask you in the break, actually, earlier, you know, could you, you know, most people couldn't name the, the, the cabinet, certainly not the shadow cabinet. Um, and I doubt, I doubt <laughs> most political journalists could name all of the cabinet. They are, I mean, th th this is the nature of politics now. We haven't got big beasts who've been around for years and years and years, and it's all changed so much. Mm -hmm. um, do, you, do you concur with Alex that, that actually, you know, it, there might be a short-term benefit because the headlines are about Cameron coming back as opposed to the sacking of Suella Bravman, but that actually, pff, otherwise people are going to go, yeah. I'll move on with my life. I think that's exactly it. Also because of the fact that David Cameron, I can't think of one large group of people in this country who will be bowled over by this particular decision. No, we've discovered this morning a lot of Tory peers are happy. We found at least peers. half a dozen of them this morning. But, you know, again, they're drawing from a very narrow section of society, shall we say. Indeed, as indeed the top four officers of state are from a very narrow section of society. Are they not, Alex Salmon? I've never liked this whole, oh, there aren't enough women or ethnic minority. This I really think people should be appointed on their merits. But it is extraordinary. Uh, as, as a cop kid myself, that we've got the four great officers of state, all, all uh, you know, people by people who went to seven percent of schools. In fact, not even seven percent. They went to top public schools. I mean, are we? Are, are the rest of us just too thick and useless? Well, I mean, uh, that, that's a point. I mean, I think talent above all. But I mean, let's face it: the, none of these occupants, the four great officers of state, would have won Britain's Got Talent, would they? I mean, it's, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for whatever reason they're there, it, it, it's certainly not a meritocracy. I, I can think of a, a million or so people in the country who do a better job. Not not just the four officers of state, the governor of the Bank of England. 
you know, the, the man who actually, that's the person that's sack incidentally. If you want to win the election, yep. then sack the governor of the Bank of England. You know, the, Andrew Bailey, the, the, the governor who doesn't have an economics degree and has increased interest rates, yep. whatever it is, 13 Are you told people they shouldn't take a pay, ask for pay rises when inflation was uh, going I, I, up to over 10% I, I and didn't know what he earned. Well, he's owned salary. It £550,000 a but, year. But, give or take. Far be it from me to give the Conservative Party advice, but let, listen, a Tory party cannot win an election uh, when people are getting their finances wrecked through high mortgages and their businesses wrecked. I mean, whatever else happens, the Tory party cannot win an election who, under these... Who is, in, yeah, who is in which particular seat around the Cabinet table doesn't make a difference when people can't afford to pay their gas bill this exactly. winter? It's just that simple. Look, the latest polls show a Labour lead of 18 points. This is the latest Savannah poll over the Tories. You talked about um, David Cameron having baggage. Now, there seems to be this view that, oh, he's, you know, he's a big name. He spoke to Kim Derrick, who used to work for him, a former uh, ambassador, saying, look, he's, he is known around the world, at least. But again, if that's the argument, then you'd bring back Tony Blair, wouldn't you? Mm -hmm. He's far more well-known. Most well, Americans also, still think he's prime minister. He's also pitching for yeah. a job as Middle yeah. East peace envoy. Yeah, he can't take the pay cut, mate. He can't but, do the but, pay but, cut. But, but the... Uh, would, it's like, I mean, David Cameron, let's let, you know, he's an opponent, obviously. I didn't agree with him on everything. But let's try and look on the, the positive side for a second. I'll look on the negative side later if you want. But on the positive side, Cameron, unlike his four successors, and there have been four, actually looked like a prime minister. In I, I thought he was very uh, statesman. I mean, his, yeah. his record was appalling on the economy, uh, getting into the Brexit disaster. By mistake. Oh, we're going uh, off again. But, but nonetheless, <laughs> he looked like a prime minister. And therefore, he probably will look like a foreign secretary. And, what know, does that mean, look like a prime minister? Well, like it, a it mean, well, you know, Is that because we just expect them all to look like public school boys? No, no. I mean, when Cameron came in back in 2010, he didn't have a majority. But he, he assumed office, uh, along with Nick Clegg, who looked exactly the same as he did. That wasn't an inconsiderable achievement, given no. he didn't have a majority in the, in, in the Commons. So he acted as if he were a Prime Minister. For some, the for some people, up. the offices of state wear sort of very heavily on their shoulder, the mantle weighs yes. heavily. For others, they kind of blossom. Uh, yes, and he certainly it's seems called insouciance. But you, say, <laughs> you, you mentioned earlier you know, baggage. He has baggage. I mean, I'm just going to go through I mean, the things I can think of. You know, um, his relationship with China, during office, since office. I um, can say times have changed as far as that's concerned. Mass yeah. Well, he's still been earning money with China deals. Mass immigration under his watch when he promised to well, cut it down by the tens of thousands. Yeah, but again, but he, he was in office for quite a long time. Oh. Um, the Greensill lobbying scandal post... Well, that uh, might be a problem in the sense that uh, there'll be more scrutiny for him now that uh, he's foreign secretary. But, I mean, you know, they, not necessarily a knockout blower. OK, associated very much with austerity. Uh, he's, he's, he, That's he's, much, much A lot much. of the policies that we're trying to deal with now, which is like we haven't got our staff the NHS, he instigated, you know, limits on the number of nurses who could train and doctors and like... Also, I was so angry about this at the time. His... Um, his uh, resignation honours, which I think tell a lot about someone's character, 46 gongs for Tory donors and AIDS and cronies, including an OBE for his own wife's stylist. Well, this shows Come the, on. The, Julia, this shows the, it's not grown up the difference between you and I. I was thinking of two things. One was the, the commentary on 350-odd Tory MPs, and some of them are very odd. But, I mean, the commentary is, I can't find the Prime not Minister. Not a single one. Says, not one single one who could be Foreign Secretary. That's Including the bloke who was Foreign Secretary uh, until yesterday uh, You know, uh, uh, assuming... And I, I, mean, I don't understand. I mean, I would have appointed David Davis. You know, more brains, less baggage than Cameron. Uh, so that was what... But the second point is this. If you were a European leader at the present moment, 
What message would you take from this? I mean, yeah. Surely you'd take the message, this is an admission that Brexit's been an unmitigated disaster and the arch remainer, the Prime Minister who lost his job over the Europe, is now back as foreign secretary. Um, again, I was going to come to that because I thought you and I might come to blows on that. We did think about putting Tom Slater in between us, to be honest with you. Um, this, I mean, this is a worry as a Brexiteer. We know an awful lot of you know, the Red Wall Brexiteers, the MPs and voters, very unhappy about this move because it's a signal, hold on a minute, you know, we're, we're taking out a, a staunch Brexiteer in Suella Braverman and somebody who's fighting on that cause on immigration and things, and we're putting in, uh, obviously, the shuffle around, but we're putting in David Cameron. Um, he did at least deliver the referendum. He promised a referendum he didn't want to give uh, because of UKIP threat uh, under Nigel Farage. Bit busy in the jungle right now. She, but, but, you know, he did at least deliver the referendum. He said he wasn't going to resign. He then did resign. He could have pushed through Brexit. He had the mandate. He could have done what the British people had asked for after his project fear of lies. And he could have done it. Do we have, are we right to blame him for, for whatever negative side there is to Brexit? But look, I, you know, I lost the referendum uh, and resigned because I lost the referendum. I think that But didn't you <coughs> say you would resign if you lost the referendum? Uh, no. He said no, he wouldn't no, resign. He no, categorically no, said he wouldn't that. resign. I don't, I don't think you can stay in office under these circumstances. I mean, the difference, I would say, I mean, I had a referendum to try and achieve something. Yeah. As I saw it, Scotland become independent. He had a referendum to achieve nothing because Britain was in Europe. He, he had a referendum against his own wishes, if you follow me. He, you know, but it he, was the wishes, it was the democratic no, no, wishes of the British no, no, people. Well, well, I'm pointing out... But he know, didn't want the referendum. Yes, he didn't want the referendum, but had one. That, that was his weakness. Now, the other thing about the, the, the Scottish referendum is you may remember, and this is maybe a wee bit about David Cameron's character, that he was caught uh, in camera with, I think, Mayor Bloomberg in, in New York, uh, saying Her Majesty the Queen was purring uh, at the result. Uh, the next day, uh, I got a, 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 a summons, an invitation to breakfast at Balmoral. Nobody, I know I told this story before, but the, the late Queen uh, is, uh, is now dead, so I think I can. So I, I got to Balmoral for breakfast, uh, and Her Majesty the Queen uh, said, under no circumstances was she purring. <clears throat> she was extremely annoyed with her Prime Minister and felt he required six of the best. <laughs> now... And the that, Queen said that about David the late Cameron. Queen said that about her Prime Minister to me. Now, on that, as on so much else, uh, the late Queen Elizabeth was absolutely correct. She was angry with David Cameron for calling the referendum or for losing the referendum? No, no, she was angry about his uh, indiscreet uh, remark oh. uh, to, to Mayor Bloomberg on. on uh, and then she made an indiscreet remark to you. Well, well, but then, <laughs> but then, of course, you know, the, the confidence is uh, is absolute. But the, the late queen is now dead uh, and uh, and has passed, and therefore, I think you can you can you can honourably okay, tell no, that story. It's... I mean, it's the first time I've, I've uttered it since, but that's absolutely correct. But it does it does give a little insight into the late queen's estimate, her estimate estimation of our new foreign secretary. And as I said, she was right in lots of things. When you were working for Gordon Brown, of course, look, you know, there, there, were, there were personnel changes. I mean, Gordon Brown basically wanted the personnel change throughout. He wanted to be Prime Minister and Tony Blair uh, to leave him that job. It was an incredibly sort of bitter time. We called it the TBGBs when there was just briefing against constantly. Um, do you think that a government that looks, on the face of it, a cabinet that looks more united without, say, Suella Braverman sort of effectively seen to be being critical of government policy whilst in the cabinet and the government, the, the prime minister is seeming to be unhappy with her. Do you think that at least has more appeal to the voter? 
Well, I think if the cabinet uh, were taken on its own, then yes, it's clearly better for the government that you don't have somebody like Suella Braverman in place, who keeps making statements that then other cabinet ministers, including the prime minister, are asked about. And they, because they don't agree with the way she expresses things, um, they are unable to say that they support her. They keep using phrases like, well, I wouldn't use those words. And that immediately, insofar as people are, are focusing on this, immediately makes the public think, well, this is not a united cabinet, there are divisions. The problem is that the cabinet isn't the only player. And Suella Bradman, without any question, will say just as inflammatory things, probably more inflammatory from the backbenches. And because the media like a good uh, like a good row, these will then get reported. So I don't think the uh, prime minister will suddenly find that he has a united party behind him. I think on the contrary, this will exacerbate divisions within the Conservative Party. And we will hear a lot more from Suella Braverman and some of her supporters like Jacob Rees-Mogg um, talking against the prime minister. And the one thing we do know about voters is they don't like divided parties so none of this can be of any uh, of any value to the conservative party and their election chances no, indeed he's this is a man with a lot of baggage this is a man with a hell of a lot of baggage when it comes to uh, you know what he did in terms of lobbying uh, since he since he left office i i think this is going to come back to haunt the party i really do um my main issue here is also you know he did he you know he sold out britain when it came to it came to the eu he sold us out and and he you know, I just don't see how your red wall voters are going to forgive that. We've already seen a backlash against the sacking of Suella Braverman. Um, and we're waiting for her to, no doubt, the next couple of days we may be hearing uh, from her. Now, she hasn't got a massive big following among Tory MPs, as you will know, in the parliamentary party. Um, but she's got a very big following among Tory party members, hasn't she? Um, let's try and, you know, put all these pieces together as to what David Cameron can attempt to do because you know half of our GDP is affected by international headwinds. We sometimes forget that when we have so many domestic debates, you know, with inflation and so forth. The reason why inflation continues to yeah. be high is because of the cost of food prices, and that's affected by what's going on in Ukraine. Oil prices are now going up again because of what's going on in uh, the Middle East in the conflict there. But who's providing the solutions? Who's got the convening power? Who's able to look at some of the challenges and provide solutions? get the heads around the table. This is traditionally what Britain does and does well. We did it you know, twice last century on a monumental scale, stepping forward perhaps when other nations hesitated. Now, we can't do all the heavy lifting. We are a different country today compared with last century. But you know, global statecraft uh, is absent. You know, the West has, has become too uh, uh, risk averse over the last 30 years. And we need to start putting some of these fires well, hold, out. Hold on a minute. The, Are you saying that James cleverly wasn't up to the job because he's one of the most popular figures on Tory backbenchers? But also, if we're looking about you know, global statecraft, well, one of the key things that David Cameron did under his years was kowtow on his knees virtually to China. He's been earning a lot of money with China as since he's left office, given that China is one of the single biggest threats to safety and the peace of the world order and to, and to, and to Britain and the West. Um, is he really the right man for the job? Yeah, it wasn't just uh, the UK. It was uh, okay, the then. entire West entertained and encouraged China uh, to ingratiate itself into the international rules-based order. We did not expect them to take advantage in the way did that you? they've done. And, uh, I mean, I mean, I'm sorry, I only did history A-level. I didn't do it as a degree, but I'm pretty sure I could have predicted that. 
I'm not sure. Nobody predicted this. I don't. All these nobody voices predicted that a totalitarian, say, oh, murderous government would continue being a totalitarian, murderous government. But if they're, they're invited to a couple of summits, then they're going to change completely. Yeah, I mean that was totally predictable to us. No, no. It's, I think you you oversimplify what happened there. There was uh, the China was invited to join the World Trade Organization mm-hmm. on the agreement that they would then introduce democratic reform, introduce. You know, improvement to their human rights, as we've seen with other countries, and indeed what was happening there with Russia at that time. You're absolutely right. In retrospect, you know, we learned the hard way that China absolutely had a very different agenda, which I don't believe. I would say that we've still even woken and, and up when to they didn't on change, where they want to take the and world. when they didn't change, we just carried on trading with them. Well, that's a separate discussion, no, but, which but I, I, I was one of the very first as well. Uh, you were, to say you were. We need a far more robust China. Okay. It actually took backbenchers here in Parliament, Ian Duncan Smith and others, to say, let's remove Huawei you know, from our telecom system, for example. You're right, we don't have a robust China policy, but that's partly because the West doesn't have yeah, a robust David China Cameron policy. David Cameron is this world China. statesman. He's been leading all this stuff. Well, he was part of all this. The Julia Hartley Brewer Podcast. Open discussion. Healthy debate. Stay on top of the news agenda. Bristling with debate. The Julia Hartley Brewer Podcast from Talk Radio. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.